You are listening to the MZBC Students Greenhouse Podcast. For more information about Mount Zion Baptist Church, go to mzbc.net slash students or follow us on Twitter and Instagram at mzbcstudents. I was going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church and I would walk in and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you mean You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right? Then they explained to me, right? Your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't, not, I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what you can pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, but seek. S is in search. E is in everywhere. E is in excellent. K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha Nisi, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, rec- as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I can fly, amen. So that, uh, that guy is probably one of the best. <laughs> Leaving your stuff on the table, that's all right. He's probably one of the best Christian comedians there is. He's hilarious. Michael Jr. is his name. Uh, anyway, so tonight we're talking about prayer. Move my table out a little bit. Uh, we're talking about prayer. Uh, and prayer can be a little weird sometimes, right? Those of you uh, who have been around church uh, since, like, you were born, it's not that weird to you, but whenever there are, like, certain parts of prayer we get into, you're kind of like, okay, that's, that's weird, because... There's a certain level of prayer that we just, unfortunately, we don't do enough of in church. But then some of you guys are, are new to this whole thing. Hey! Uh, some of you guys are uh, new to this whole church thing, and so uh, some of this prayer stuff is really weird, kind of like uh, the committee was talking about. Christians just use these words, and you're like, what, what are you talking about? Half the time... Uh, here's a hint for those of you who are new to the church life. Half the time, Christians don't know what they're saying either. It's okay. Um, prayer is this, is this weird thing, but it's this really powerful. If you, if you really start studying through Scripture, prayer continually comes up over and over and over again. Uh, how powerful a thing it really is if we, if we really grasp it and start to kind of understand it. And you know, it's always going to be kind of this. The weird thing about prayer is it's one of those things you, you have to do to understand it, and you kind of have to do it to kind of get used to it. 
Does that make sense? Uh, and so, no matter how much talking I do up here and that sort of deal, like you actually participating in it is what's going to get you used to it and kind of you start to go, oh, I kind of get that. But I'm still going to talk for a while. So there's that. Let's turn to James chapter 5. If you need a Bible off the back table really quickly, you can hop up and go, go get one. Uh, watch that cable back there. Uh, otherwise, you can look on with a neighbor. That works too. Uh, just don't sit. Uh, so James chapter 5, verse 13. We're going to be 13 through 18. I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to hop back to the beginning and kind of walk our way back through it. James 5, verse 13. Here we go. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer uh, of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently. Fancy words just means hard. He prayed fervently uh, that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore fruit. Just fruit, you know, grass and all that stuff. Um, so as we've been going through James, faith that works has been our overarching theme, and each week um, we, we talk about an action that true faith, like true belief in God, leads us to. We've talked about obedience. we talked about submission, sacrifice, um, the way we uh, talk, uh, the, like the words we use and that sort of deal is supposed to be used for love and not hurt, though we tend to lean toward using our words in bad ways. Um, and tonight we're talking about prayer. Faith leads to prayer. James actually walks through kind of a progression, and that's why I want us to walk back through these verses here. He starts in verse 13 talking about personal prayer stuff, like how in our own personal private prayer life, some of the things and ways that we should be praying. And then he moves into corporate sort of church community, Christian community sort of prayer stuff. And then he kind of gives us an example of what faith can do. So let's start. Verse 13. Look back at verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And so he starts with this. Hey, if you're hurt. Now he's talking mostly about like emotional and spiritual kind of hurt. He says, if you're hurt emotionally, spiritually, pray. I don't, know you, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm hurt, especially emotionally and spiritually, all I kind of really want to do is like go like ball up to my mama and like let her like make everything okay, right? Well, she lives a long way away now. I'm also married, so uh, I can't just go do that uh, anymore. But here's the thing that James is saying. He's like, hey, when you're hurt, run to God. There's so many times that whenever we're hurt, and you guys will experience this more and more um, as you go through, uh, there's, for whatever reason, there's this tendency for us when we're hurt, especially uh, emotionally and spiritually, to kind of like drift away from God. Sometimes we blame him for stuff, like maybe something has caused some like serious emotional pain in our life, and we kind of like question like, why'd you let that happen? And sort of something we sort of kind of blame God, and it sort of, we drift away from him. When the scriptures all over the place really call us to lean into God, where naturally whenever something hurts us, we kind of want to lean away and blame God. Whenever scripture says, actually, you need to lean in, and God's going to wrap you up 
He's going to make everything okay. So if you're hurt and you're suffering, pray. And he goes on, and it seems like he shifts gears here, but he doesn't actually. He says, um, if anyone, uh, is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. So if you're happy, sing praise. Again, that seemingly seems like he switches gears here. He's talking about prayer. Now he's talking about singing. In James's time, more than our time, unfortunately, uh, singing praise was really wrapped up in prayer. So whenever uh, Christians met together in church in James's time, didn't quite look like this um, sort of setup. One, they didn't have the New Testament because it was being written at the time. Uh, so they didn't have like the New Testament and they, they didn't have a guy standing up here like going through verse by verse, like studying these things or whatever. Um, most of the time when they were together, it was all prayer and it was singing whatever hymns and things that kind of just overflowed or that somebody in the crowd had, had written for them to sing together. And so it was all this one, it was all wrapped up in prayer. Prayer and singing. And now there were different levels of singing. There were songs of lament, there were songs of praise and all that kind of thing. And so, uh, when he says, sing praise, he's still talking about prayer. So when you're hurt, you pray. You run to God. Whenever things are good, whenever you're happy, you pray. Now there's different um, modes of prayer there that he's talking about. Whenever you're hurt, you pray. That's that being close to God, letting him wrap you up. This is figurative, right? God doesn't like literally come down. It would be awesome if he did. Uh, but this is resting in him spiritually whenever you're hurt. And then another response in prayer is that of singing praise whenever things are good, whenever uh, you're happy or cheerful, as the version I have um, reads. And then as we go on, James transitions uh, away from personal uh, reaction to, to life and how we should pray into more corporate Christian community sort of stuff. In verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church. So elders, there's a lot of debate about uh, the way that should look in today's church. The way you should just think about it is this is, these are leaders in a church. They didn't have uh, formal, like, paid uh, ministers and things in James's day. And there were just, there were typically men, leaders in the church. They were mature people. Um, they were ones that were, uh, they, they looked after uh, people in the church. They knew everybody. Uh, and they were just leaders. You know what I'm talking about when I say leader, right? Uh, and so when he's talking about elders here, he's talking about leaders. So someone who's sick. And when he's saying sick here, this is like serious illness sort of stuff. Like bedridden, possibly about to die sort of things. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him. So there's this element of when you're sick or you know somebody who's sick, like really sick. All the leaders of your church, hopefully the leaders of your church kind of know what's going on anyway, but you call them in and have them pray. Leaders of the church are supposed to be among some of the most faithful in a church, right? And so these guys who are more, who are some uh, among the, the most faithful in the church come and they, they have that active prayer life with God. So it's, it's a, James is calling us to use our community that we have. So we're, if you're connected to the church, you should be connected to some elders and they should be able to come in and help pray for you or, or whoever is in need of prayer for uh, their, their illness. Now, it kind of moves into this these last uh, phrase of this verse, anointing, uh, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. This is one of those things that gets a little weird, especially in Baptist life, because uh, we don't typically do that. 
we don't like put oil on people, right? Have you, any of you guys ever seen that happen? Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen it here? Yeah, yeah, right. So uh, there's there are still people who do it, but it's it's just not some of the most common stuff. Um, in James's day, though, and way before it was kind of it started kind of as a a Jewish cultural thing, and moved on. But they would use olive oil, and they would anoint. Just means like they would put it on their head or whatever. But anoint means uh, like to set apart. Like you're putting it on their head, and it's this symbol of setting it apart. There's some debate on whether there's some like uh, medicinal like purposes, like if it actually kind of helped with uh, certain things, uh, but there's no proof of that. More more than anything, this is symbolism. This is an act of we are setting this person apart for prayer. We are in, we are intentionally praying deep, meaningful prayers for this for God to heal this person of whatever illness that they have. And so, this anointing with oil is just a symbol of that setting apart sort of thing. So, don't let that weird you out, and if you ever see it, don't let it weird you out unless, like, there's other weird stuff going on, which is a possibility depending on what church you show up at. Um, Verse 15, I won't get into any of that. Uh, Verse 15, and the prayer, so we're talking about elders coming and praying over someone who's sick. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Those first few words, prayer of faith. Those words are important. Those words are key. Everybody looking up here, okay? Prayer of faith. Remember this whole series, we're talking about this word faith. And what we say when we, when we talk about faith, this isn't like a hope and a prayer, like I have faith that I might not die. But this is like, I honestly believe in God and I am in a real active relationship with him. So this isn't like a passive, uh, like I show up at church, hear some guy talk, and then go home. And don't do anything else with my Christianity. This is a faith that leads to action. That's what we've been talking about for weeks, right? This is a faith that leads to action. So this prayer of faith is this active prayer life in this this prayer life that is a prayer of trust and belief that God is going to do awesome stuff. So it's not just a prayer. It's not just, uh, how many of you guys know, don't don't like say it, right? I know some of you are like going to go, and just start saying it. Um, the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, right? I started saying it. Um, most of you probably say it at like sports and stuff. Most people don't really know what it means. And this is just like, this is a prayer, but we just kind of say the words because we're supposed to uh, and that sort of deal. That's not a prayer of faith. Now, the, that prayer itself, when Jesus gave it to us, was a prayer of faith. And it's a guide to, sh- to, uh, to tell us how to, to pray, but we won't, we won't dive into that. Um, but a prayer of faith is one where you, you're going before God and you're trusting that he hears you, you're believing that he hears you, and that he's going to respond with his will, right? He's going to respond the way that he uh, sees in the overall plan is the best uh, response to that. So that prayer of faith that is what, uh, is what, excuse me, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Let me be clear on this. I want everybody looking up here again. James is not saying that if you pray real hard every time in the name of Jesus, real hard, uh, I said that kind of weird, if you pray really hard in the name of Jesus, he's just going to heal anybody that you pray for. That is not what James is saying. James very much believes what is true, and that is that God has a bigger plan, and sometimes not healing someone is a part of that plan. 
the, the, the famous missionary Paul in the New Testament, right? We're told, we don't know exactly what illness he had, but he, was, he called it his thorn in the flesh. There was some kind of sickness, some kind of illness that Paul had or some kind of something um, that Paul had that kept him from being as active as he wanted to be. Now, he still travels all over the place, uh, but it kept him from being as active as he wanted to be, uh, traveling everywhere that he wanted to travel, and he prayed over and over and over and over again for God to heal him, and God specifically said no. Because I want you to be an example to the world that I work through weakness. That it's not on your own power that you've been able to accomplish all that you've accomplished. But it's through me in you. No matter what's wrong with you, no matter how sick you are or anybody you know is, God can still work through them because it's God's power, not ours. And so there are times that God allows people to not be healed all the time, actually, because everybody eventually dies, right? That's just how it works. <laughs> um, so I just want to be clear that James is not saying, hey, if you pray really hard and you believe with all your might, people will be healed. That's not necessarily true. But that doesn't keep us from praying really hard, and that doesn't keep us from believing that God can heal if he chooses to heal, right? Moving on. Verse 16, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Now, this is where, for some of you guys, it gets real weird, right? And this is where it really starts to get corporate. So we work from our private life where when we're hurting or when we're happy, we're praying, right? Whether it's a prayer or we're trying to get close to God and let him make things okay or if we're celebrating how awesome God is because things are going well at the moment, that's personal stuff. And then we move into letting leaders pray for us when something is really serious. And then now we're talking about each other. We're talking about each other. And he says, this, these first few words are what's really hard, right? Confess your sins to one another. Now, some of you guys who are actually listening right now, um, you hear those words and you hear, confess your sins to one another. And you're like, wait a second. You want me to tell like all the bad stuff I do to all these jokers in the room? Like, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. So everybody stand up. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> like, oh, oh, no. Right? Uh, no, what this looks like, there are some churches who will, uh, you know, do like an open mic, and you can stand up and, and confess, uh, you know, some kind of sin, usually not giving, like, weird details and stuff. Um, and, there, and there's something to be said for that. We're not about to do that. In our setting, more often than not, this looks like your friend group that you're sitting around, some of you talking to them already at this moment while I'm talking. Um, in those friend groups, you guys hopefully are all, all Christians there. There may be some in the room who are not. Uh, most likely there's some in the room who are not. But your Christian friends in that group, you guys, this is what confessing your sins looks like to, to an extent, right? Remember those who were here last week, if you remember, I know you've slept since then uh, and you only half listened anyway, but last week I talked about like me and Garrett. He sees me doing something wrong, like a, a sin or whatever, and he lovingly comes and, and says, hey man, I see that you're struggling with that. Let me help you. Let me help you move away from that. That's that iron sharpening iron sort of thing. What this looks like is instead of having to wait till Garrett comes and says, "Hey, man, I see that you're struggling with that," I just go to Garrett because we're friends. We're both Christians. We both want to be closer to God. I just come to him and say, "Look, Garrett, man, I'm struggling with," and then whatever my deal is, whatever my issue is, whatever my sin is that I'm struggling with, can you help? Hopefully the appropriate response from Garrett 
Um, he's not in the room, that's why I can continue to use him as an example. Not in the room, you're fair game. Um, hopefully, he responds appropriately, which I know Garrett would, and would be, yeah, man, let's do it. What, you know, what's going on? Let's, let's figure out how we can, can move away from that together. And then he and I both would interact with that, and we'd work away from our own personal issues that we have and try and push each other closer to God. That's what that looks like. This isn't like, oh, I confess all my deep, dark secrets to you, and then you go around gossiping and telling everybody like all my stuff, right? That's not what this is. So we're confessing our sins because we're helping each other move closer to God and away from the things of the world. Does that make sense? This means yes? This means I'm asleep? All right, cool. Moving on. Verse 17. I'm rushing through this because I've got some other things I want us to do uh, tonight. So verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. What that means um, is Elijah was just a normal human being. Like as far as humans go, just a normal guy. He wasn't like some like weird strong dude or like weirdly more spiritual than everyone else kind of guy. He was just a normal sinful human being like everybody else. That's important Though Elijah was, he was a prophet, and he did get to speak to God, which is a little different than most people. But James is saying, Elijah was just a normal dude, just as susceptible to sin, just as susceptible of running away from God as everybody else. But look what he was able to do. And he prayed, this is in verse 17, everybody looking. He prayed fervently, really hard, that it might not rain. And for three years, and six months, so three and a half years, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. So in the overall story, in Elijah's time, the people had, had run away from God. They had abandoned God. This was the story of the Old Testament. God rescues Israel. They worship him for a little while. Then after a little while, everything's good. They kind of just like forget about God and start to like do their own thing. And they run away from God, and it's this whole cycle of God rescuing them, bringing them in, things are good, they forget about God, worship other gods, God rescues them, it's just this whole cycle over and over and over again. So we're in this part of the cycle when we're looking at the story of Elijah that the people have strayed away from God. They're worshiping other gods. And so a part of God bringing people back in, bringing them to repentance, and bringing them back to him, he uses Elijah to show the power of God. So Elijah prays, this is a showing of God's power, that it would not rain, and it didn't for three and a half years. How cool would it be to, like, pray, and you can control the weather? Wouldn't that be awesome? It'd be kind of scary, because knowing me, I'd, like, cause, like, a hurricane or something stupid. Um, with great power comes great responsibility, right? Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so he prays, and it just stops raining for three and a half years based off of him faithfully praying to God for God to show his power. And then once the people start to repent and start to turn back to God, Elijah prays again, and this is all through the act of prayer, connecting and communicating with God. Elijah prays for the rain to come, and it does. Now why is it that Elijah gets to control the weather, right? His prayers were in line with God's word in line with God's will. This is back to that prayer, the prayer of faith, right? Our prayers of faith are prayers that are in line with God's word. Now, how are you, how are you supposed to know God's word? You can say it out loud. 
How are you supposed to know the Bible, which is God's word? Oh, you got to read it. You got to memorize it. You got to study it, right? All these things that I say all the time uh, and people don't listen to, uh, right? I'm not perfect at it. It's okay. Uh, But the way you know God's word is that you study it, that you read it. So the more you study God's word and the more you find out who God is, the more your prayers will be in line with his will, right? Like praying for an Xbox game, not in God's will. He doesn't care. I mean, it's cool that you get an Xbox game or whatever, but God doesn't ultimately really care about that. So he didn't want you to pray for those kinds of things. Um, But praying for someone to be healed so that God can show his glory, God can show how powerful he is. Now that, now that's starting to get closer to what it looks like to pray prayers of faith and knocking over cans while I'm preaching. Um, These prayers of faith are big prayers like stop rain right now. You shouldn't pray for rain to stop at this point because it doesn't have anything to do with what God wants to do at this point. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe God told you to do it. That'd be awesome. Um, the big point, like I've already said, is that, is that his prayers were in line with God's word and God's will. Because God had already said, I want to show the people that they have turned away from me and they need to repent and come back. And so through the prayers of Elijah, God showed his power. So when our prayers are in line with God's, remember James made it very clear that Elijah is just a normal dude, just a normal human being like the rest of us. So when our prayers are in line with God's word and his will, they can be just as powerful as Elijah's prayer. Be just as powerful as Elijah's prayer. So we've, so we've looked at these uh, passages. Once again, overview starts with this, the, our private life whenever we're hurting emotionally, spiritually. We're supposed to pray. We're supposed to get alone and pray and ask for God, ask for mercy and grace and ask him to wrap us up and to make things okay. Whenever we're happy, when things are going good, things are awesome, we're supposed to sing praise. And then he moves into the, the corporate stuff with elders and with confessing our sins and praying for one another, right? We're supposed to be praying for one another. We don't do that enough in church. So I want us to actually do some of this. I want us to <clears throat> go ahead and stand up. Go ahead and stand up. Hey. So I'm going to, don't talk. I ask you to stand. doesn't require your mouth to move. Um, I'm going to sing a song. No, 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 no. If that's going to be the response, I'm not going to sing the song because the song is not for your entertainment. This song is for us to worship. This cable is like being dumb. Uh, and so there are different responses. Switch to this microphone now. Hey. Um, there are different responses that you all have to do at this point. Some of you guys are in a place of hurting. You're in a place of emotional and spiritual hurt. And what you need to do is you need to get alone with God. Or you need to go one of the adult leaders in the room or maybe your Christian friend and you need to have them pray for you. Some of you guys are at a point where things are great. Life's happy. Things are good. And so what you need to do is you need to sing praise. Some of you guys in the room may not, not, may not be Christians and you're like, I don't know what to do at this point. Well, this is a point where you like grab a Christian friend or you grab an adult leader in the room and you ask them all the questions. They may not have all the answers, but you ask them all the questions. Okay? So the response is, when I sing, you either find a 
find a place to be alone or you find a leader to pray with you, if you're in a place of hurt, emotional, spiritual, and you just need to get close to God. If you're at a point where things are good, things are awesome, sing along with me, okay? It's an easy song. You'll pick it up. Let's cut the lights out. You broke my chains of sin and shame. You covered me with grace. You mend my life with your holy fire. You covered me with grace. You are the hand that we Now you know the song. Again, if you need to move, if you need to find a place to get alone with God, do that now. The rest of you, this is a, this is a point of celebration. This isn't a point of stand there and stare at a screen. So now you know the song. Sing along and celebrate. You broke my chains of sin and shame. You covered me with grace. You Every oh, oh, oh. 
Father, I thank you so much that you set us free. And it's to be free that you set us free, and that seems redundant, but often we forget that. Remind us as we go into small groups that we are in need of you, even in our freedom, to show us how to live. And the ways you do that is through your word and through prayer and time with you and time with other Christians. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.